We are now in the last chapter of Galatians. Finally, Galatians chapter 6. And we are approaching the end of this series. And it's been a life transforming, uh, life transforming series for me. I'm seeing things very differently because of the Word of God. And I'm grateful to God for what He has done. Amen. And I just want to go into, I don't think we're going to have time to get past a portion even of this verse because there's so much here. Um, some shocking things that kind of uh, challenged me in some ways as a pastor, as a leader, um, but basically just as a Christian. Um, and here we are in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. The Word of God reads, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, say that with me, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. May God add a blessing to hearing and a reading of his word. I want to speak to you today from a simple title, Compassion for Sinners. Compassion for Sinners. Yesterday, I was in my office in El Cerrito, and I was studying, but then I kind of got distracted and ran across a... um, article, somewhat of a mini biography or documentary about um, a certain person um, and a, a church. And I could not step away from it. And my, my pattern normally is I'm studying, I'm looking, and I'm, you know, and I'm going through the Word, and I'm really trying to pull out everything I can see and set up my illustrations. Well, this week, a lot of that happened earlier in the week. It didn't happen on Saturday. This week, I kind of went in on Saturday just to kind of review and try to put the sermon together. And that led me to do some research on this very famous church organization, and I will not give their name, um, but it took up most of my day. Um, And I say that to say say this, I have some notes here, uh, but I'm not as organized as I would normally be because I just could not come out of research mode. And I couldn't figure out why. I was like, this is a very strange thing. I've never been in this position before. Um, But I feel like I kind of was, you know, this morning I was kind of putting it together and trying to piece everything together. I felt like I was kind of running out of time. But I believe that the Lord wanted me to see something and not, you know, go with my conventional regimen and routine. Amen? And so there is a couple... Uh, that was given this massive church organization. Huge. I mean, these people are big. Uh, they, got, they got church and then churches and then all kinds of churches underneath them and a lot of people follow them. Um, they are worldwide famous, this particular organization. And they were, they were, this couple was passed, a man and his wife, they were given this church and it was passed down to them by their father. Uh, And this couple, they blew it. I mean, 
if you could mess up and mess up in a church was in a dictionary, <laughs> they would be like, this is how you do it. They utterly destroyed the church's re- reputation. They blew it royally. When I tell you it's bad, the sins that this couple committed are just heinous. They're huge. They're, wow. And so, you know, my first impression of this couple is, you know, after reading the article, I was saying, you know, you know, some of the article, I was like, you know, well, of course, they can't be saved. They, they're not saved. You don't do this kind of stuff over and over and over again and be saved. Impossible. But after reading another interview about the particulars of the situation, I was able to identify personally with what actually happened to them. Hmm. Everyone's stories has facts, and then there's the details. Amen? Just looking at the facts caused me to come to a quick conclusion. But after hearing the details and seeing how the story unfolded, I was able to take a step back and look at this couple as bad as what they did, as horrible as what they did, as horrible as the sins were, look at this couple with compassion. There are the facts, and then there are the details. There's what happened, and then there's a story around what happened, and the particulars, and the circumstances, and, and the setup, and the history of the family. And I was like, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. Now, that's not to say that I can make a determination of whether or not they're saved or not. All I know is after looking at the details, my heart was pricked. And I had compassion. Well, the articles were pretty much ripping these people to shreds. Okay? The surprising thing is, is that this particular organization, this worldwide famous church, um, they... Uh, they have a history of being extremely conservative. Amen? They got rules upon rules upon rules. They are tight, 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 tight. The church has a lot of laws. There are a lot of policies. The church, they practice church discipline at all costs. Amen? They never slack on that. The church is known for being tough on sin, but they don't exactly have a reputation for being a church full of mercy. Hmm. So when these leaders, this couple, crashed and burned like they did, there was a lot of separation, but no restoration. None. Kind of like the Galatians church. You got these people in the church who are really about the law and they're very conscious about the law. They're careful to observe the law and all the rules, but they're not really familiar with the concept nor the power of grace. I'm going to say it again. 
They were not very familiar with the concept of grace, nor the power of grace. Paul said early in the fifth chapter, and we kind of, you know, we've been looking at this, but we just came from the fifth chapter. Paul said in the fifth chapter, he said, uh, you know, the works of the flesh are obvious. And I told you this basic categories, sexual sins, you know, interpersonal sins, religious sins, idolatry, and, and then you, you know, got self-control issues. And then you got, you know, these issues where, you know, people don't know how to treat each other. There was various categories that we went through, right? When I went through all those topics and I taught you, you know, inch by inch what those words meant. I mean, he said those sins or the works, rather, are obvious. In other words, they're manifest. You can see whether a person is functioning in the spirit by what they do, or whether they are functioning in the flesh by what they do. Remember? Amen. And then he said, if you are living, practicing sin, living in sin, practicing sin, this is your bent. This is your lifestyle. If you have a pattern of habitual sin, then he makes this statement, this jarring statement. He says, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. None. Basically, translation, you're going straight to hell. What you doing? You living like this? This is what you do? That, that you're, you're comfortable with this? Then more than likely, there's no fruit of the Spirit. Okay. But the fruit of the Spirit is, contrast, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Help me, Holy Spirit. Self-control. Amen? So he said to the church, in order to deal with our lustful tendencies, which we still have, he said, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lustful desires of the flesh. Remember? Basically saying that the flesh is still there. Saved, sanctified, shouting, Holy Ghost filled, running up and down the aisle, falling out, however you want to call it, jerking. No matter how spiritual you want to, or whatever plane you want to place yourself on, you're still dealing with your flesh. Okay? And he's saying that there's no one, no other power available that helps you conquer your flesh but the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us, through us, inside of us, to overcome these desires that don't leave, but they are to be dealt with. They are to, those are supposed to be conquered. Amen? You understand? There is a way to determine if you have the Spirit of God and if you're not saved. Give me 1 John. Let's just go to 1 John. 1 John is that no-nonsense, no-gray-area book. There's several tests there to let you know where you're standing. These things are written so you may know that you have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Son. Our fellowship is with God. Our fellowship is with each other, as it says in 1 John, right? It's 1 John, uh, the second chapter. Let's just skip to the second chapter. Give me verse 3 and 5. See it? All right. And hereby we do know that we know him, that we are in relationship with God. Amen. If we keep his commandments, he that saith, 
I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. John is like, I'm not going to give you any wiggle room here. You're keeping his commandments. You know God. You have the power of God. You're not keeping his commandments. You don't know God. You may say it, but you're lying. He just said, I didn't write this. He says, you're a liar and the truth is not in him. Amen. But whoso keepeth, in other words, practices habitually. This is your natural bent. I'm not saying you're perfect. But whoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected. Amen? Hereby know that we are in him. Why? Because we are in the practice, in the business, our routine. Our normal bent is to what? Keep his commandments. Then 1 John 3, 1 through 3. I love this. Next chapter. Behold, look deeply into this. Be in awe of this. Be fascinated and perplexed and, 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 and just be in awe of the fact that You know, there's this love. What manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us. Focus on that love. Think about it. He said, behold, get your attention on this. You know, trip off of this. He's saying, this this, this ought to have you tripping a little bit. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That we, people who are mixed up and messed up in all this history that we have of rebelling against God. Behold, be fascinated, be in awe of the fact that we, the folks who are saved by grace, the people who were enemies of God, we should be now called the sons of God. Woo! Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Verse 2, beloved, Now, right now, we are the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. There's a lot of theology uh, theology there. I don't have a lot of time to, to break all that apart, but I want you to focus on something. We shall be like him. Right now, we are the sons of God. We don't deserve it, but right now, that's what we have. Be fascinated. Be fixed on that, okay? For we shall see him as he is. We will be like him. Basically, the believers have something to look forward to, and that is we're going to be just like Jesus. Wow. And then verse 3, this is, I stop here in verse 9. And every man that hath this hope, who's looking forward to seeing Jesus, who's looking forward to being just like Jesus, purifies himself even as he, Christ, is pure. So I live holy, you live a holy life because Jesus is holy. And since you're going to be just like him, figure you might as well get started now. Amen? I got this hope. This is where we're headed. Okay, well, let's just go ahead and fall in line. How did that happen? I have the Spirit of God. Amen? You don't have the Spirit of God, that is not your hope. If you don't have the Spirit of God, this is not your desire. If you don't have the Spirit of God, your habits don't look anything like Jesus. Your lifestyle, your desires, your bent does not look like Jesus. Amen? You may have a natural something that you do, but you don't have any supernatural power to become like Christ. Amen? Amen. So this is our new nature. Amen? I purify myself 
even as he is pure. I'm looking forward to this. This is my new nature. This is my new walk. I've been given a new walk. Again, it's not perfect. It's not perfect, you know, but I don't stumble around every two seconds like I used to. You know, I've got a new stability in my walk. You know, I may slip every now and then, but it's not, not like it used to be before I knew Jesus. Where it was just like, ah! <laughs> you know how I used to be? You know how I used to be? So, Lena, you know how I used to be. Okay. Here's the thing. We don't stumble around on an everyday basis, slipping and scuffing ourselves around and, you know, and doing what we used to do like we did before we were a child of God. King's kids have stability in spirit. Are you hearing me? Stability in their walk. King's kids are like Christ. More than likely, you ought to be able to find me being like Jesus on a consistent basis. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. And however, even with that, we're not perfect, are we? No. We're not perfect. No. So back to Galatians 6 and 1. I'm not going to be before you long. First word, brethren. Church member, church fellow brother. Man of God, woman of God, brethren. He's talking to the church here. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. We're probably not going to get any further than that today. Here in this verse, we are given instruction by the Apostle Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it lets us know how to deal with those who, say this with me, fall into sin. Fall into sin. Okay? Paul doesn't mention any specifics here or church policy here, but he's dealing with something that needs to be behind whatever restoration process Whatever mechanism the church uses when dealing with people that fall into sin, he's dealing with a heart attitude. Because you can put up the policies and the procedures, and this is what we're going to do, and we're going to go biblically by this. But if your heart is not in the right spot, you do more damage than good. Okay? Help me with this, Lord. There's a command here. It helps us to look at the fallen or the people who have fallen in sin, our brothers and sisters in Christ, who have messed up. There's a command here to watch your attitude. And it has everything to do with how you see them and how you see yourself. Come on, come on. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. Let me explain something to you. Without question, in the Galatians church back then and in the church right now, today, sin had to then and sin must now be dealt with. Okay? The Galatians had to judge what was right and what was wrong. We have to judge what is right and what is wrong. Don't judge. No, 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 no. 
The church has to make judgment calls, okay? Sin displeases God, period. Sin will tear up the fellowship. Amen? If you're sinning against your brothers and sisters publicly or privately against people in the church or at home by yourself, sin tears up the fellowship. Oh. Sin has a potential to destroy everything and everyone in its reach. Jesus, just in case you don't know, and you've heard some tricky, interesting theology in church, because we've all heard it. Jesus, just, just in case you don't know, I want to tell you something. Look up here. Jesus is not okay with sin. God is not okay with sin. God went through some very drastic measures to deal with sin. Amen? A church that refuses to deal with sin because they want to appear to the public to be loving and accepting of everything else and all kinds of things, that church is a church that's no longer under the control of Jesus. If that's their model, then something's wrong. Amen? We, you know, we don't deal with it. We don't touch that. We don't. No, no, no. That's not. That's not. That's an indication that something else is running your church. Careful, pastor. Unfortunately, we live in a time where it's not popular. <laughs> I didn't want to even write the sentence. We live in a time when it's not popular to get into people's lives. Excuse me, Pastor, that ain't none of your business. Why are we touching that subject? Why don't you preach the next verse? You can skip that one. Oh, you, you guys are that kind of church. Don't, see, I, I got delivered from that kind of church. Judgmental people. Stay out of my business. <laughs> But if you're in fellowship with Christ and you're a child of God, you will receive God's correction. Amen? Because you're in God's family. Amen? But the responsibility of correction does not only fall on God. It also falls on his paid-for church. He corrects, and he commands us to correct. Oh, boy. Okay. So Jesus deals with sin, and his paid-for, owned church deals with sin. But it has to do it with the Spirit's help. Otherwise, how we deal with sin, it will not look like Jesus at all. You catching that? All right, so let's break it down. Brethren, even, uh, how do I say this? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. That word if, if you look under the hood there, it says something rather interesting that kind of changes the, the, the nuance or the, 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 the flavor of the statement, okay? When I used to read, okay, if a, if a brother is in sin, you know, you that are spiritual, restore him in spirit of weakness. Not quite. 
That word if means even. So in other words, brethren, even if, even if. Paul is thinking of a hypothetical situation. Maybe something that didn't happen, but something that is especially heinous, something that is unusual. Brethren, even if the church members do something shocking. Mm. Brethren, even if the church members do something that is one of the members do that. Pastor, have you heard what happened with brother so-and-so? Mm-mm, I mean, pa- mm, pastor. Do you didn't hear what that, you didn't hear? Mm. <laughs> One of those things where it's like, oh, how could they do this? Okay. It's one of those kind of things. They were caught red-handed in the act of doing something, and the church and the elders and the deacons and everybody, are, they are totally outraged. We're shocked. We're hurt. This is not behavior that is becoming of a saint. What were you thinking? One of those. Even if... A brother is caught. Even if a brother does this, a sister does that. Oh, boy. We all have the ability to categorize our sins, don't we? You know? We got, oh, that's pretty bad. We got, oh, that's not so bad. And we got, oh, that's absolutely horrible. There are sins where we forgive and pray and move on. And there are sins where we say, you know what, brother? You're going to have to find a new church. And while you're at it, give me that choir robe that belongs to church. (laughs) Can't have folks like that up in our church. Okay? We all have these these categories where we go, you know, I can kind of deal with this one. But that one, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know. In some churches, we have sins that we're cool with, so to speak. You know, but there are other sins that we have to be careful. Watch this. How we react to it. There's a proper response, and then there could be a sinful reaction. Good, I got you thinking. Brethren, even if... A man be overtaken in a fault, overtaken in a sin. To overtake means to take beforehand in a way where the person who is having something taken from them or or something happened to them is not prepared for it beforehand. It's to be cut off guard. Even if a brother or sister is overtaken, caught off guard, by sin, ye that are spiritual. Woo. <laughs> Overtaken by a fault could mean they made a mistake. Overtaken by a fault could mean I made a bad decision. Okay? 
taken by surprise. Slipped in, you know, I went on a date and it went a little too far. I was caught off guard. I was going out to eat with some of the saints and we went to Sister So-and-So's house and they brought up so-and-so's name. And I didn't go there to gossip. But man, by the time we was through, we put her business spread it all across the table right next to the chicken. Just, <laughs> just talk so bad about her. <laughs> we ripped that lady's name to shreds. And we did And did you hear? Girl, no. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Really? I, I didn't come there to do that, Pastor. I got caught off guard. I mean, I saw the lady at the church. She seemed like, you know, she loved the Lord and she wouldn't be talking about people. And we got to her house and I was like, oh, now we know. You, 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 you blast people. I didn't know. Taken, overtaken by a fault. I thought I was strong, Pastor, but I... I found out I was overconfident, so I had a relapse. I was ready for it. I, you know, I've been in, in, in my program for a long time, and in there, we, you know, I got saved, and we, we watch Christian movies. And we do all this stuff to kind of, you know, take these steps through this program. And, you know, and I went out with some, some people, and I, I, I thought I was strong enough. I, I was overtaken. I, I was surprised, right? I got it. It's the Holy Spirit's here. Amen? Overconfident. I started working out. Looking good for a while, you know? And I started getting all this attention from these people. I didn't, they didn't notice me before, but now they do. I didn't know it was going to have this effect, and now I'm in the situation. It was innocent. I was just going to the gym. It got to my head. And then they started saying something. They they told me I was cute. (laughs) And then next thing you know, Pastor, I don't know. Saints, what I'm saying is there is a difference between falling into sin and planning to sin. There's a difference between falling into sin and jumping headfirst into sin. There's a difference between being ambushed by Satan and walking step by step with Satan. Oh, somebody get it. A person who is saved and sanctified can slip and fall into the mud. But that's not the same thing as I dove in and wallowed in it for three years. Head first, I was like, oh, I just love this mud. One presents being overtaken, falling. The other signifies intentionality. Not quite the same thing. Right? Okay? All right. I was dealing with a counselor one time when I was trying to get over a pain when someone had hurt me. And I'll never forget, the counselor said to me, he said, Jamie, I know that you got hurt by the situation. 
but I want you to try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. I was like, what do you mean by that? They low down, dirty. They, they deserve whatever happened. I'm just going off. Not, this wound is really fresh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm bleeding in the office. And he, you know, drops his bomb. He's like, you know, it's going to take you some time to work through this. He said, but I want you to understand that even though you're hurt, this person, if they're a believer, they were hurt even worse. How so? He said, because they more than likely were trapped into something, trying to get out and couldn't get out, overtaken, overpowered. What's wrong with them? They, they know Jesus just like I do. No, no, see, see, that's when you got to be careful. You don't know a, partic- a particular person's circumstances and situation. And just because the, dr- the devil ain't got the drop on you just yet. Sometimes we, you know, look at folks like, you know, we're better than them. It ain't nothing but God's mercy and grace that I'm sitting up here. Come on, somebody. Let's just be honest. All it takes is for Jesus to pull his finger back just a little bit. And you will see exactly who I really am without any power. So he says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, a sin, ye which are spiritual, a truly spiritual believer will never boast about their condition, but they will have a tender heart like a shepherd, making them want to restore the transgressor. They will not act in a spirit of pride or superiority. You know, you should have went to my Bible college. That's why you did that. <laughs> you know, you came from the wrong church. That's, uh, no, 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 that's not meekness. That's not gentleness. That's not the right heart. Amen? But a spirit of gentleness is what is required in these situations because, you know, in some instances, yeah, I think we're dealing with a bona fide heathen. And in some instances, we're dealing with somebody who got trapped. And what if it was you? How gentle would you want your brothers and sisters to be with you if by chance you slip? Ah, help me, Lord. Ye who are spiritual, fruit of spirit, fruit of spirit, the, the gentleness of Jesus Christ. You know, the gentleness of Jesus Christ. I, I know you've been through some stuff. I, I know, but, and I see your situation. So, so what I'm saying is, is, is there's a harshness that can come from certain folks. And, you, you know, we're looking at the sinner and what they did, but sometimes we need to watch how they deal with the sinner. Because that harshness don't look like Christ is in you. Oh. Would Jesus say that? Would Jesus put it that way? I've been guilty of this. I've, you know, Paul, we can see from Paul. And, I, you know, people say some blasphemous stuff about Paul. And people say, people say all kinds of things about Paul so they can do whatever they want to do in sin and, and, and live crazy. We know that. I don't want to make that kind of statement. But I can kind of tell by Paul's personality and his, you know, his upbringing. And, and, you know, he's kind of an A-type personality. Would you say that, Doug? He's one of those guys that's like, it's just not a lot of wiggle room for error here. 
Oh, Barnabas. No, 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 Barnabas. We ain't taking John Mark. No, we're not taking him. I don't care. He, he deserted us. We letting him go. He's done. I have zero patience for quitters. You know, Paul might be writing this, you know. You know he's, a, he's one of those kind of guys that just has no fear. It, it just comes out of his mouth. I'm kind of like that. People are like, you know, Jamie, Jamie you, could, you could put a little Jesus on that statement, bro. I mean, you're right and all, but man, you got to say it like that? I've had to, you know, I've, I've been corrected in this area. I can see Paul saying here, you know, maybe there are some people like me in the church. We don't have a lot of wiggle room. We don't have a lot of margin for error for others. <laughs> we tighten ourselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe he's saying, you know, what I want you to recognize is that, you know, you, you may in your own power not have the ability to deal with these very touchy and delicate situations. Okay? That's what he's saying. Use the Holy Spirit. All right. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Ye who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, being gentle. He says restore. He doesn't say just forgive. Oh, boy. Can I go there, Lord? Yeah. When you restore something, you are bringing that thing, that person, back to a place where you're reinstating them. Oh, boy. To a previous practice or a situation. Restoration is not the same thing as forgiveness. I can forgive you and be like, you know what? I'm not doing anything. I don't, I don't fool with you. In the church, you done messed up so bad. No, no, no. Listen, you blew it. You never get to be over this apartment ever again for the rest of your natural born life sitting up in this Baptist church. It ain't happening. <laughs> we will never forget what you did, but we forgive you. Why? Because we don't want to go to hell. Jesus says if we don't forgive, we'll go. He won't forgive us. So we forgive you, but we ain't going to restore you. I don't care what Jesus is doing in your life 20 years later. <laughs> we are done. You hear me? You're done. Give your offering. Go sit down. <laughs> Restoring is different. Restoration is I'm putting you back. My, I, my hope, my desire is to restore you, put you back. In the human body, can I just now, Lord? In the human body, my body functions a certain way. All my parts are connected together, functioning as a whole. I have legs that get me from point A to point B, right? You know? I have hands that can grab things. If I want to grab something, I can grab it. I have an arm that extends the reach of my hand because this is ridiculous. Right? So <laughs> I extend my reach by my arms. But let's say that the arm gets sick. Let's say the arm is not functioning. There's a malfunction. Something happens with the arm. Amen? My body works best when my arm is in its place, its rightful place. 
But if my arm is sick or compromised in some kind of way, it, it, it can't, my hands and the rest of my body can't do what it would normally do without some level of extreme difficulty. So the whole body suffers because the arm is not in its place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the body, all of the body, when the body is in tune with the head, it is thinking what we want to do here is we want to restore. We don't cut off the arm and saw the arm to the shoulder or saw the arm to the shoulder. We don't do that. What we, what we do is we want to make sure that we can achieve everything with maximum efficiency. The body will re- never, never reject a member of itself Unless, of course, the body is like, you know, receiving something that's foreign or not part of the body originally. But what I'm saying is, is that the body is always wanting to restore. It's in the best interest of the body to say, listen, we need that arm. I know it's not functioning the way it's supposed to be functioning. I know it's, it's tripping right now. But listen, if we're smart here, <laughs> we want that arm back in place. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Same thing in the church. When the church sees and values its people, even though they mess up, we're not looking at them like, ah, we're done with you. No, because the head of the body, which is Jesus Christ, would never decide to take one of his own and discard them and throw them away and not want them restored. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Uh, I lost my place and then jumped ahead. Okay, let's go, let's go here. Feeling like my dad today. All right. Matthew 9, 9 to 13. Here we go. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew, watch this, watch this, notice this. Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. But I want you to remember this. Matthew actually heard the call, left where he was, whatever he was doing, cheating, lying, manipulating, you know, getting to cut off the top, tax collector, working for Caesar, you know, cheating folks, getting rich off everybody else. They hated tax collectors. They were not good guys. But he hears Jesus say, come, follow me. Matthew gets up and leaves that comfortable financial situation, leaves it all behind and follows Jesus. And then says, Jesus, come to my house. I want you to meet some of my friends. <laughs> so Matthew invited Jesus, verse 10, to his home as a dinner guest and along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Low down, dirty dogs and people with really, really bad reputations. God only knows who was up in there. Okay? But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with scum? Wow. 
When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Stop there for a minute. Why are you eating with the disreputable people? Why are you eating with those sinners? The truth be told, (laughs) Jesus was eating with the sinners, and he was eating with the disciples, and he was eating with the other people on the planet. Because if Jesus wasn't going to eat with any sinners, Jesus would be sitting in a Mexican restaurant by himself. Because we're all sinners. Ain't none of us worthy. If it hadn't been for Jesus being willing to sit with us, being willing to love us, being willing to include us, being willing to invite us, then there would be, there'd be nobody for him to eat with. You, you, are you following what I'm saying? So what I'm saying here is there's an obvious disconnect coming from these Pharisees. They don't realize that they're the sinners too. Are you hearing me? Amen. Why are you eating with such scum? Jesus said healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you, here we are, saints, to show mercy, not offer sacrifice. But pastor, I pay my tithe. Pastor, I, am, I have a perfect attendance record at Bible study. I study my Bible every day. You can't tell me nothing. I'm in my word. Are you hearing me? All of our serving, all of our things that we do for Christ, as great of a value as those things are, if you don't display the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, it's possible because you don't have him. Something's very wrong. These Pharisees were clueless to grace. They had the law but they did not have the spirit of God. Are you hearing me? Amen. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who are sinners. Amen. Amen. A spirit-filled person will not blast and shame somebody else. A spirit-filled person does not intend to do that on purpose. He does not want to do that. A spirit-filled person uh, does not go around making comparisons uh, you know, comparing their goodness to somebody else. Almost done here. What I'm basically saying here, saints, what I'm basically saying is when we're dealing with people, no matter what church policies we have, no matter what we do as far as restoration, we cannot just walk into a situation like that without the Holy Spirit's advice. We don't have the eyes to see what he can see. We don't know the story. We have to be careful. There are some cut and dry things. You know what I mean? But the bottom line is, is no matter what we know and what we find out about an individual, where's your heart? What, what, what's, what's the motive behind what you're doing? Huh? What's the motive behind which, how you look at people? Even if they do this. Even if this. Even if that. Are you hearing me? When we bring rebuke, it must not be from a bitter spirit, but from a meek spirit. Amen? Gentle spirit. This comes from Christ. I'll say this. 
And I think I'll end here. I am grateful to God for God's goodness. Okay? This is goodness, as David said today, as he was praying. This is goodness that we don't deserve. This is goodness, as the song was saying, the grace of God. We don't deserve this goodness. We don't deserve this kindness. We don't deserve any of the good things that God has bestowed on us. Amen? I have some things that I have done as a non-believer and as a believer that I'm very, very ashamed of. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. Some of those things, especially my earlier years, were just hideous things. And they're hideous not because I can, you know, make some kind of comparison to you. They're hideous because when I bash those things up against the perfect holiness of God, the truth is I understand perfectly well that I deserve the death sentence for all eternity. Amen? For all eternity. Yet God in his goodness saw fit to save me anyway. Yet God in his goodness saw fit to feed me anyway. Yet God in his goodness saw fit to protect me while I was on my way to doing some dirt. Yet God in his goodness saw fit to, to, to allow me to see a level of goodness while I complained to him about his level of goodness and saying that his goodness was not good enough. Woo! God sees past all of that and is faithful to what he has decided about me even before the world began. Which means I could never earn it anyway. Oh, somebody get this. God is committed to bringing me to paradise to live with him forever in spite of my track record, saints. What kind of love is this? Sin will make you absolutely crazy. You don't see things the way you ought to see them. You'll be complaining about God's goodness while the sun is shining. You'll be complaining about God's goodness while you arrive on time, while you arrive with your, with your, with your health, while you arrive safely. You'll be complaining. No matter how many times I have personally blown it, no matter how many times I have fallen short of the perfect standard of God, he never lets me go. And he does all that, saints, while monitoring every single step in my maturation process. God cares about every in intricate detail of me becoming more like his son. He looks at where I am. He says, yeah, but just keep going. I see where this is headed. I see where he is monitoring. All. He's big enough, good enough, loving enough to take us from where we are to where he knows he has planned for us to be. God is committed to my transformation. God is committed to the transformation of the believers. God is committed to his own goodness. God is kind. He's always been kind. He can never be more kind than he is right now. God never grows in kindness. I said God never grows in kindness. He is perfect as he is right now. Woo! God never changes. 
And that kind of love does not make me want to stay in my sin. That kind of love moves me to a place where it says, how can I love you back for all the love you've given me? What can I give? What can I do? How can I live? How, what can I let go? What do you want? What are you coming for this week, Jesus? I'll give it to you. What do you want this week? What do you want, Jesus? What do you, I'll give it to you. What do you want this week? You've given me everything. That kind of love will allow you to change that kind of love will cause you to change. You'll be able to say, listen, sister girl, I can't do that with you no more. I, brother man, I can't go there. With you. I, can't, I can't drink that. I can't touch that. I can't think that way. I can't believe that no more. No, no, no. I can't do that. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Woo! Oh! Woo! Sin left the guilt a stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Oh, thank you, Lord. And that kind of love, saints, causes the believer to have compassion on other folks who are just like you, who are trying and wanting to please God, but proving every single day of their lives that we are all in need of his mercy and we are all dependent on his grace. Ye who are spiritual, when my appliance is broken in my home and I need somebody to come in and fix it, huh? 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 Ye who are spiritual, don't send somebody who's not gentle. You follow me? Tearing up and te- wrecking my stuff. Now it's more broke than it was before I called you. I got a bed. Somebody gave me a bed, a bunk bed for my girls. We got four girls, and it's, it's, it's rough. It's a little room. So they gave us this stackable bed, and I'm done. And in this bed, you have to go around. Oh, Holy Spirit, you teaching today. In this, in this bed, you, you got to be careful because there's these screws, and the girls start playing around and jumping on the bed. Ah! And things start shaking and moving, and Daddy tells them no more monkeys jumping on the bed. But sometimes they listen, and sometimes they don't, and things get a little rickety. Now, I got to be careful because these screws are interesting. You know, like kind of Ikea screws and stuff like that? If you're not gentle when you're turning, you can do something to the screw and damage the screw. We call it stripping the screw. And if I strip the screw, I don't just damage the bed. I got precious people that sleep on this bed. So when a believer falls, what you need is repairmen, spiritual. Ye who are spiritual. Those who are spiritual who walk around with their tools, but they're gentle because the Holy Spirit causes them not to strip the screws and mess up the folks that come in here who got messed up, who got trapped in something, who were overtaken in something. I just need somebody who's going to be gentle with me like Jesus. Ain't this the church? Ye who are spiritual, ye who are spiritual, even if it's that, even if it's this, can we forgive the murderer? Huh? See, that even, that if word changes things. Can we forgive the person who is an ex-murderer? 
can we forgive the ex-child molester? Oh, wait, 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 Pastor, that's too far. Can we restore somebody like that? Now, we must use wisdom. Amen? We must use wisdom, but where's your heart? Before we get to the decision, where's the heart? How are you thinking? How are you seeing this person? Are you seeing, well, at least I ain't like them. Well, I've never done that, and I never will. And that's why you need to leave our church immediately. Or is it, you know what? If it hadn't been for God's grace and the family he put me in and the situation he put me in and how he grew me up and certain things could have happened, but they just didn't. And I ended up over here. And that's just not my particular problem, Pastor. But this person's no better than me. I'm no better than them. We're all needing his grace. Compassion for the sinners. Amen.